What's going on, everybody? What Welcome to another episode of the Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath Maxwell. What's good, everybody? It's Jamie. Yeah, back with another episode. Before we get right into us, just want to say thank you from the both of us, from myself, from Jay, from all of us, for all the love we're getting on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Check us out. Uh, we're at Love God love sex pod and again that's on youtube facebook instagram and of course the clock app we just learned about this week <laughs> shout out to the clock aka app. tiktok yeah yeah yeah. getting a lot of comments and feedback and of course we can be reached by email connect at love god love sex podcast.net always open to new show ideas and show suggestions so today's episode is all about that big f e mm. Big freak energy, baby. BFE. I like it. I like it. <laughs> let's let's talk about what that that big freak energy is about. Jay, why don't you get us started? Tell us, what, you know, what is big freak energy? Ooh, um, uh, to me, big freak energy is that 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 readiness, mm -hmm. that willingness to always be down for the get down in the bedroom or wherever you like to get get it going. Um, somebody <laughs> who just. <laughs> For those of y'all who don't know Humpty. Um, but yes, someone who just has, I guess, an affinity for sex and intimacy. Someone who very rarely is going to turn you down or say no. Mm. Like I said, just always ready for the get down. Mm, yeah. What about you? You know, for me, Big Freak Energy is someone who ultimately has a heart of service in the bedroom. And not mm. so much in the bedroom, but also, like we said in previous episodes, they have that same type of freak energy outside of the bedroom. So, yes, there is the contact and the interaction, the sexual encounter, but they're also bringing their freakiness in other ways in order to stimulate, you know, both sides of the brain or or also uh, both sides of the bedroom, right? The part where you get up and the part you get, you get back in. And I think that's really where a freak is, you know, doing their best work. They're operating in that zone of service. How do I provide this person an optimized experience of my sexual energy at all times or in most interactions? And I just think freaks are, you know, just knowing about that. When we used to say back in the day, like, oh, she a freak, he a freak. It was just that someone was always on, right? Their sexual energy was just brilliant, peaking, and always mm. just at 10. So I think it's so the same thing. It's, sleeve, huh? Yeah, it's just not, but it goes beyond just always flirting or always throwing out a sexual innuendo or joke or hinting at a sexual act. I think that's what we've wrapped up, you know, a freak to be. But I think when you just pull back those wrappings, you see more layers and, and more texture and more colors there than what we've historically understood it as. So, so when Adina Howard cool, said, right? I need a freak in the morning, a freak in the evening, just like me. A roughneck brother. <laughs> Who can satisfy, can satisfy me? <laughs> I'm your, I hope you're my man because I'm that type of girl. Yo, little sidebar, that video, man. Let me tell you something right now. That video, that video just changed my pubescent years, man. It just <laughs> her whole joint was just and then t-shirt and my panties on. It, it put you in a DeLorean, sent you into the future, huh? <laughs> her whole her, her whole body in that video, just her look. Just the, the way the video just, I mean, that really was like, to me, epitome of just like freak. That's why your man put in the ice cream uh, verse. Your man ghost face. Yeah, for sure. It's a mm -hmm. pardon. That chick been on my mind all week. Back all, to you Maybelline Queens. 
all week. A freak will, they will leave that kind of impression where you are thinking about them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get into that. They're going to leave your fingerprints on you. (laughs) They're going to leave their fingerprints on you. So, you know, why are we talking about this? Well, you know, we are a sex podcast, and that's partly what Mm -hmm. we do. We have a certain approach Mm -hmm. to sex, but we are a sex podcast. And for the last year, especially with, I think, the rise of Kim K's relationship and Pete Davidson, we would hear about, like, big dick energy, right? You have, you know, Blotto also doing that. And you hear people now mm-hmm. talking about big clit energy, but big freak energy. What we're hoping to do with that is take it out of, again, as I said a few moments ago, the realm of just the bedroom, right? And take it into what does it mean to just have freak energy? Because for us dealing with a partner first, connection first approach to dating, love, sex, and relationships, which we're known for, that's what we built this whole podcast around. We're talking about bringing that energy of service, bringing that energy, uh, that energy of serving, helping, and finding ways to optimize the experience of connection and uh, partner first coupling. So this is why we're wow. talking about that. Well, let me just jump in and ask, how like give me some examples of how to exhibit that or to wear that outside of the bedroom well great um i think when you think about big freak energy uh we've talked about in other times anticipating needs and that's you know big big on our tiktok channel right i said before Mm -hmm. listening Mm -hmm. plus understanding the needs equals anticipating needs so i think the biggest thing people have to realize is when you're a freak you're studying that person you're not Mm. just inserting comments or looking for a way to jump in, you know, like some double dust, just waiting for someone just being like, oh, you know, good morning, man. I was tired last night. Oh, I'm sure you was tired last night. <laughs> One of those, you know, <laughs> jump ins. You got the, at, doc, in, you in got the dossier with all of the stats on it when you're a freak, like you've been studying, analyzing. Yeah. You got to know your target. You got to yeah. know your mark. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're a student of that person what they maybe um, need when they're depressed or down or feeling sullen, what they need uh, when they're excited, what kind of reassurances uh, they have, what's their love language, you know, mm. going a step further, what's their conversation language. Or when they come to you with a problem, they're looking just to listen and then maybe problem solve with you or is it just to listen and be quiet and just let them vent and hang up the phone. But you're looking mm-hmm. for every moment of an interaction with the person. You are a freak. That means you are looking for ways to optimize that feeling of pl- pleasure that feeling of inclusiveness, that feeling of connection, that feeling of trust, which I think is the bedrock of being a, a freak. Because in order for someone to feel comfortable with you, to bring out their deepest, most beautiful kinks, I was gonna say darkest kinks, but we don't wanna you know, put a label on people's kinks as they right, dark. Right, let's not pervert it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. To bring out those beautiful kinks, there needs to be trust there. You know, when we talk about one night stands, right, people commenting on, well, you know, I did one night stands, but I wasn't just dating in doggy style with somebody I didn't know. I just met at the club two hours ago. I, you know, mm-hmm. when my back's to you, I don't know what you're going to do to me. So, right, right, how do you build trust so someone can bring out that kink so that you can really satisfy the deepest, most beautiful parts of who they are? So I think that's some of the ways that we give some examples of, you know, how to, being a freak outside the bedroom. Yeah, that, that, that trust is necessary because like you said, you could be in any, you know, sexual position with this person. And then, you know, after you've shot your DNA and both of y'all are laying down, do you, do you turn that off? Is that trust still there where you're just like, yo, what if they want to go round two? Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you trust them enough to, cause I know sometimes I, in my experience, I can be kind <laughs> I, I can sometimes be a a uh, 
scenario freak or situational freak where it's like my energy is such that I'll give you like a good heavyweight round. And then it's like, I'm laying next to you, but I'm just like, yo, okay, we did that. But I don't know if I want to do round two. I don't know if, if, if the trust is not there, you know what I mean? I don't know if I trust them enough to see me in this refractory period or to talk about, Mm. you know, I'm not ready yet. Cause I don't want to be looked at as, well, you can't hang. And I need somebody that can go on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. yo, that that trust, you know, I was just given a scenario and, oh, and, and I think that trust that's a, is, is necessary. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect example you gave of trust, which probably a lot of men can react to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to see my penis when it's flaccid. Don't look at right. it. Turn on the TV, let's turn on the Netflix, let's get back into this crown. What's right. Queen Elizabeth doing right now? He trying to put the pillow and go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you put your excuse underwear me, on me. right away. Exactly. Excuse me, excuse me. Oh, you want to come back to bed? No, Church finger up. Come back with your, come back with your underwear and your pants on. You don't want to take a shower? Don't like, take showers after sex. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I actually just let the let the juices marinate. I actually read that in Men's Health oh, it helps with long term oh, prostate man. health. All bad <laughs> medical science because you're afraid to see someone see your penis flaccid. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that's a great example of just you know trust and um, and I think you also brought up a good point: the judgment that comes right. Yo, mm-hmm. if you can't go round two, what's the next five sentences that's gonna come out of her mouth about you grabbing me? a phone, texting in a group chat like this? You already getting <laughs> you? You already looking at the phone like, oh no, I'm in the group chat. No, I hustling. Trying yeah, to see exactly. what you're talking about. It ain't even 15 minutes into brunch yet. We're just laying in the bed on right. a Saturday night. Brunch isn't like less than 24 hours, and I'm already in the group chat. Right? You worried about the low dick yelp rating, like you talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was big, but it wasn't big enough, you know. Could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I one of the things I think also when I think about uh freak is in 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 our context is this idea of emotional dynamics. Mm. Helping someone navigate the various ways in which they go through, you know, everyone has their emotional roller coaster. You're not always up, mm-hmm. you're not always down. You're just kind of like this, right? Mountain peaks and valleys. Where do you think a freak really helps with bringing that out in a sexual context, but also let's start with the sexual, in a, in, let's start with that in a sexual context. Where does that make sense for you? Ask that question again. Where does a, where does well, a freak oh, bring yeah. what out? So I'll, I'll, I'll find another way to phrase it. When you're a freak, right? You're really working with people where they're at, whatever their capacities, mm-hmm. because you're just out to do with it. You know, um, you're just out to make sure they enjoy themselves how does a freak manage the emotional dynamics around sex? Because like you just said, people bring so many things to sex that we don't often discuss. We sometimes are just getting to the point, no pun intended, and we're not dealing with, well, yo, I really have this body issue. And so after we orgasm or after we end sex, however that ends, I don't want you to see my roly polies. I don't want you to know that, you know what I'm saying? I haven't done laundry all month. So you see them clothes stacked up in the corner or whatever these things are, how does a freak manage those emotional dynamics to still create an environment of safety and pleasure for somebody, even though this person may be either through body language or through conversation showing that they're feeling insecure or they're feeling unworthy or they don't feel good enough or questioning what that just happened? Well, it's like you said, that big freak energy, um, it comes with study, being a student of that person. So... <clears throat> if you know that, if you know the things that make your person feel insecure, 
you're already anticipating what to do when they feel that way, or you're having conversations with them about that insecurity so that if it manifests, you, you guys have already talked about the things that you can do to offset that or to assuage that kind of insecurity. So mm. um, I would say for an example, right? I had a partner who they thought they had ugly feet. I, I thought they, they, they looked yeah. good, but I would always start intimacy with them with a foot massage. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think it would just relax them to not worry about what their feet look like. Mm. And, and if this was going to be the one thing that stopped me from wanting to engage with them intimately. So it, that was my manifestation of big freak energy, right? Like I was just like, in the case of this uh, insecurity, I was just like, well, let me pour all of this love and intentionality and all of this weight into where she feels like she's coming up short. So I would always give her a mm. foot massage, you know, like a good 10, 15 minutes. And I'm talking about like kneading the dough in there, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a baker out here. Like, Hold on. I'll, I'll get those cinnamons to you in five minutes, brother. Just I got to finish the tarts. So, um, and then I think, you know, emotionally, I don't know that it, it should only be on the the person with the big freak energy to help manage that, but they can be an aid. Yeah, you know, I sure. think the, the conversations that happen, like we talk about outside of the bedroom or before you get to the physical intimacy, um, that's how you help manage it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good point you just raised. It can't be right. Being, you know, if you have insecurity, it just can't be on the person who has the level of comfort or the, who's displaying or who's kind of the leader in the big freak energy department. Everyone has to deal with their stuff. You know, mm -hmm. you know, we're not on the rescue Rangers here with Chip and Dale, <laughs> Monty and the rest of them zipper. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't save them all. Yeah, no, no. I mean, no one should be doing rescue missions like that. They ultimately, you have to take some responsibility for your own actions and for participating in this act, right? So one of the things I notice about freaks and me and you can say that we're, we're both them, is getting to a point in your sexual journey where you're owning your story, mm. mm -hmm. owning your sexuality. For me, and we, we talked about this in the first episode of, of this season, season two, I talked about my journey with spirituality and sex. So for me, I am a person who's all about these, these monogamous relationships, these monogamous relationships that operate at a certain peak level. And peak doesn't mean better, it just means my peak. So for me, really getting to study somebody, really getting to know them, being able to anticipate needs, really having these deep, intense connections, whether we're arguing or you know trying to problem solve or we're connecting and just making love, it's all about the intensity, high intensity relationships. That doesn't work for everybody because some people that's super annoying and I get why it can be. What do you think is a crucial way people need to start the path to owning their sexuality if they want to come on this big freak energy journey? What do you think is like a, something they need to do? The, the most primary thing they need to do? Develop self-awareness. I mean, they, they have to... I guess kind of look inwardly, be a little bit introspective and kind of face the secret desires or the, or the thoughts that might push the boundaries of normal for mm. them. Um, 
<clears throat> I think, you know, kind of finding comfort and communicating desires to your partner uh, and, and in front of your family and friends or your closest people. I know when I was growing up mm-hmm. <clears throat> with my cousins and brothers and sisters, you know, we were able to talk about sex. I mean, the, the age gap was probably, you know, uh, you know, seven years at the most, but it's like either they were talking about stuff that they desired, stuff that they had done, you know, asking like, what are you doing? And, you know, kind of being inquisitive and, and helping you learn about yourself, the things that you like and and not being afraid to talk about those things and, and admit, you know, I, I actually like somebody just holding my hand or rubbing my back, you know, which could be looked at as, as kind of like low beta for a guy, but yo, it's, <laughs> yo, embrace that and own that. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, you like what you like. Mm-hmm. So it is that self-awareness and really doing some introspection and self-analysis and, and becoming, or, or like you said, owning that, that sexuality, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. When I think about owning your sexuality, I think about the thoughts that push the boundaries the thoughts you have or the desires that you have that challenge what you consider to be normal, what people are telling you um, is normal. Now, everyone has boundaries and boundaries are important. They're there for protection. They're there for um, not only protecting yourself, but your partner and the community that you're a part of. But Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we get so caught up in shame and guilt when it comes to our sex journeys, we never learn to dance on the edge. And dancing on the edge is an art unto itself. And it's not something that happens immediately. It's something that happens over time. And that time, what pushes it forward is slowly getting comfortable and accepting who you are. And I, that is something that becomes difficult in sex because it goes back to kinks. But I think it even goes to me beyond kinks because the kinks sometimes are just what you want to happen in real time, right? That interaction. Mm-hmm. Your shame and your guilt, that's staying with you when you're not in the, you know, in the interaction. So you're at work at your computer, the shame and guilt is still there. The specter of shame yeah. and guilt is still haunting you. You're at Thanksgiving dinner, you're at Christmas, you're on a flight to Paris. Hey, you're walking down the street at a local park somewhere, wherever you live, the shame and guilt is still there. You're not performing the kink, but the shame and guilt is still there. So dealing with shame and guilt around sex, I think is super critical if you want to start to have a healthy sex life and a healthy view of yourself and really move into how am I bringing this BFE, this big freak energy to the table for myself and for my partner? Yeah, I think a lot of that gets done in exploration, which I wish I was encouraged to explore more when I was younger Mm -hmm. Um, in a healthy way. I just mean, I I wish it was something that, you know, folks who were a lap ahead of me, that my parents or aunts and uncles were just like, you know, don't be afraid to go out there and explore and find out what you like. Um, But I know personally, I'm an advocate for exploration now just because I feel like it is part of the uh, the journey of owning your sexuality and, and the things that you like, you have to explore, you gotta, you know, try to taste different things before, you know, you know, I actually like the, the filet mignon. I don't really like cube steak or I don't really like T-bone. I like it this way. Um, so yeah, that, that exploration, I feel like has to be a part of that and, and finding your place on this spectrum because <clears throat> being a freak, I think is a spectrum. You have folks who are like, 
little freak energy mm-hmm. and you got big freak energy and that's the spectrum. Yeah. So yeah. it's like finding your place, you know, on this spectrum. If, if you like, if, if big freak energy for you looks like, like I said, giving that foot massage or, you know, learning how to talk sexy or sexting, whatever that is for you, you know, find that lean into that and, and, you know, give it that old college try and do it to death. Yo, when I think about Big Freak Energy and what you're talking about, because we're touching on journeys now, personal journeys, and you mentioned, you know, being in your family and wishing there had been some old heads or elders in the community who would have told you to experiment. I have been intimately aware, and I'm looking off to the side because it's taking me a moment to get my thoughts together, intimately aware of my sex drive since I was very young. Very young. Super young. To the point where I've had conversations with people in my family like, yo, what? That's what you was on? That early? And it's just, I I was. And, you know, having a high sex drive at a very young age uh, has always, now when I tell that story, it always puts me in this box. I get placed in this box of being sex crazed. Now, let me explain the difference for you and for those listening and watching. Sex crazed is you don't have any self-control or awareness of who you are in your actions. You lack accountability for the things that you do in the bedroom, outside the bedroom. Some things in the bedroom um, may be about direct actions or things outside the bedrooms, right? Inappropriate jokes. Uh, for me, that would be hitting on your best friend's girl. You know, any, any of those, anything around that kind of circle or cipher. To me, being highly sexual aware is just understanding that you have a lot of sexual energy that you like to connect with others, you like to learn, you like to be a part of either physical interactions or sometimes just emotional exchanges where you can really connect with who you're attracted to in a deep and resonating way. And I think because I had that at such a young age, it's always been labeled a particular way. And it's, you know, I realize I've gotten through it with friendships like yours, with the podcast, with other things that I've had at my disposal, but everyone does it, man. And you start to realize people are getting shamed left and right, judged left and right by family members, people outside of their family and family, and even people in the bedroom with them about what they desire, what they're into. And I see that a lot with, you know, um, high sex energy people. I have a friend who's (laughs) like me and you, high sex energy. And he was like, yo, it's kind of like the gift and the curse. Mm -hmm. The gift is when you are operating in that big freak energy, you're looking to be, again, use this term over and over in the episode, a student. So you're learning somebody's body, learning what they need, and then you're serving them. The downside is you can get attached to people fairly quickly. People sometimes objectify you, right? I know I can get my fix here, so I'm just going to go. It's like going to the the popular drug spot. You just go and get what you got to get, and you just leave. And so you get objectified. Also, I I think um, people just see you as somebody who's just a pit stop. You know, you're Mm. a stop on my destination. You're not really one of the main parts of my journey. You're just, you know, a good leg. You know, it's interesting interesting you bring up objectification because I I have had to say to people before, I'm a pleaser and I love being used, but don't use me unless I give you permission. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, It's like, I have definitely felt that before where, because, you know, I've, I've talked to you before about how much I love to go down. And I have Same had here. partners who knew that. And it would, as much as I like the idea of 
head on demand and somebody just texting me and being like, this is what I want. If that's the only time that I hear from you, I will feel objectified and I will feel used. But but there's a difference in saying I want to spend time with you and knowing that when you see me, I'll be open to doing it as opposed to every time you reach out, it's like, yo, come eat my pussy or, or come, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I mean, again, as much as I enjoy that dynamic of being that, if I haven't given you, if I haven't opened the door to you to do that, don't, you can't do that. Mm. Nobody just has carte blanche to be like, anytime they want, they could just hit me for it and and objectify me in that way. And I'm going to be cool with it, even though it's something that I love to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. You ain't going to get no beeper. Beep, beep, beep. Beeper hits <laughs> in the 90s. Hold on, who's beeping me at 3 in the morning? That 911 text. Exactly. With the rose. <laughs> I need it. I need it right away. I need it right away. And I, I also Put, have also. putting on rose. your jacket and your, your, your fedora, <clears throat> trying to get out the house. <laughs> I've also, to what you just mentioned, been shamed for that high sex energy. Mm. Um, I don't want to say what relationship that was in because you know the person. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was told that I had a, a lust problem because I had a high sexual energy. Um, and, you know, I can understand why that person would say that because even before, prior to us having a relationship that we had, um, they saw that energy received by other people. Mm. And so I think they just had this mindset or this thought that like, yo, he, this is just how he is all the time. And he's like this with everybody. And there's nothing really special about it when it comes to me because everybody has access to this. But isn't, doesn't a freak, right? Isn't that true to some extent that when you're a freak, people do have access to it. Now that doesn't mean you're doing it with everybody, but if, you when you're when you're a freak, you will have on some cases some multiple instances of partnering with somebody or displaying that energy with somebody. And again, it doesn't have to be necessarily sexual intercourse, right? You know, uh, bedroom bully behavior. Shout out to Shaba Ranks. But you would have exchanged freak energy with somebody, even in a conversation, even you're flirting, texting, building up. But just because you're doing that doesn't. I don't think that cheapens the energy you bring to that person. Do you do you think that's I don't the case? Either. I, I don't think it cheapens it either. Um because it's energy, right? And and if it's something that is just inherent to you, I didn't ask God for this. It's not like I was praying for it or I, you know, it's not like I tried to develop it myself. It maybe it came from being exposed to it early. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I talked about um, you know, just the sexual abuse that I have been through, it really did kind of turn on a switch. Mm. And so I really did have <clears throat> a lot of, I guess, sexual energy from a young age, just like you. Mm -hmm. um, but even if it is energy that, it, that, uh, that I'm exuding, it, it doesn't mean that it's toward the end of a physical intimate scenario yeah you know so that's why i say it, it doesn't really cheapen anything sometimes it's really to lift people up mm -hmm. to build people up because you see that that they don't feel like they, like they may feel like they're the ugly duckling or they may feel like mm -hmm. well and ain't nobody really giving me no attention 
and yeah. you see the level to which you can give them attention and exhibit that big freak energy one without leading them on and then two without seeing it go to leading to sex or yeah. something intimate yeah yeah i think that's you know an important part that our energies play in people's lives that it could be there for upliftment exhortation coaching and some people listen to this set probably saying nah, yeah, just trying to get some pussy and while we do enjoy that, we definitely do. I definitely do. Deep sea diving, Jack Cousteau couldn't get this love for ODB right. when I go downtown. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the one and the nine. Express. <laughs> I'm definitely downtown. SWV in there. You know what I'm tanks. saying? Just I need two oxygen tanks to get this low. <laughs> submarine. Yeah, I'm in the submarine. I'm in the, I'm in the Mar Mariana Trench right now. <laughs> right. Call you back at the God Hour. The hunt for Red October down here, fam. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, wrapping oh. up, because we're, we're getting close to the end of our time here. What do you say to people? Or how do you encourage people to find their BFE voice? So for me, I have a philosophy that um, black cooking, right? Everyone, everyone should learn how to cook in order to survive and, and serve themselves healthy food. But not mm -hmm. everyone's going to be a chef. Now, chefs cook too, and they do other things, but you may not cook at the level of a chef, but you need to know how to cook. And so I, I think everyone exists, like we just said, on a spectrum. It's up to you where you want to be in the spectrum. Uh, so for you, where do people find their BFE voice, even though they may not be a high sex energy person? How do they discover that, in your opinion? Exploration and experimentation. I mean, they have to <clears throat> master their body and their sexual persona um, and, and really figure out if they're a primarily a giver or a receiver. Mm -hmm. And I think the last thing is just finding that balance, you know, with, with their internal narratives about BFE um, and the external narratives. They, they have to find that balance where that, where that lies for them. Got it. And I think I'm just going to say real quick, be willing to invest in yourself and your point of view about your body and your sexuality, uh, you know, read books, podcasts, conversations, invest in yourself. And so that's it for today. Thanks for listening to Big Freak Energy. Like I said, check us out on our social pages, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, we and YouTube, of course, at Love God. Like and subscribe. Yep, yeah, yeah. Love God, love sex pod. Smash that subscribe button. And we look forward to chatting with you some more. Take care. Peace.